0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. My name is John Davis, and I am the executive director out at Canterbury Retreat and Conference Center. It's a joy to be with you on this uh, wonderful Memorial Day weekend and to share in this time of worship. Um, Reverend Sarah and I are longtime friends. She was actually my assistant at Incarnation for a couple of years. And, and uh, so there's a lot of, I've, as I kind of was talking earlier, that there, I sort of see as I come into Good Shepherd and into these moments of worship, I kind of see uh, Sarah's imprint on me as far as those things that, she's, that I learned from her. But I kind of see a little bit of my imprint on her as I look at your liturgies and the, things that, the choices that have been made. But it's a joy to be here. If you want to know more about Canterbury, I'm glad to tell you that after the service. and. Tell hey, you about the wonderful things that God is doing in our midst. If you love me, you will keep, observe, obey, pay attention to my commandments. You now, to be honest, I don't like that word obey. I don't like being told what to do, you know, kind of having to obey. It's just sort of this negative thing to me. I don't, I don't like it. It smacks against my perceived right of freedom to do what I want to do when I want to do it. uh, And so I noticed that there I said perceived right of freedom. You know, I think from time to time we all bristle against authority. You know, we struggle with it. Um, And from the very beginning, it was true. I don't like I'll say it this way. I don't like commandments, maybe unless I'm getting to give them, you know, kind of thing. It's just maybe that's a control thing. Samuel Wilberforce wrote Christianity can be condensed into four words. Admit, submit, commit and transmit. And I think that's part of the, the, what we have to do is if we're going to follow Christ, those things have to work themselves into our life. I think what it ultimately comes down to is we need a different picture of obedience. And we have one. Jesus gives us one. You remember the story of the woman at the well? And uh, they had this he had this wonderful encounter. What happened is the disciples had gone into town looking for some food. And uh, so Jesus stayed at the well and he had this encounter and this woman comes to faith and the whole town comes to faith. And and there's an interesting scene after that scenario happened, the disciples come back and, you know, they brought some food. And I can just sort of hear him saying, Rabbi, eat something. Come on, please. You know, kind of thing. And he said, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to accomplish his work. Do you ever uh, eat a cinnamon roll? It's one of my favorite kind of favorite things. Back in the guilty pleasure, if you will. Think of a Cinnabon cinnamon roll, right? And, you know, some people might take a, a knife and a fork and cut right into it. Heresy. You know, how could you do something like that? You have to unwind this thing, right? And the crusty bit on the outside that's already toasted really nice and and the icing that's sort of dripping on it and the cinnamon and the sugar and stuff, man. And then you sort of unwind piece after piece and you take it in and it's just ecstasy. You know, it's a wonderful kind of feeling, you know, you just feel that. And the aromas fill your senses and the taste. And then you get down to that little part in the middle that's maybe even not fully cooked, You know, it's kind of gooey and doughy and just dripping with cinnamon and sugar and icing and all those good things. You with me? That's what obedience should be like. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. So we need to change that picture of what obedience is for us and understand that it should be a joyful thing. Something that brings us life and hope and peace and all the good things of God's kingdom when we obey his commandments. Does that help? It helps me when I think of it that way, because all of a sudden that negative sort of aspect of what to obey is gets transformed. And I joyfully and want to run to obey my Lord and Savior. Because sometimes, you know, lots of times in Christianity, it's that we feel that it's a lot of do's and don'ts. You know, we get that sort of idea that if you're going to be a Christian, well, you can't do this and you got to do that. And there's all this kind of thing. And it can be overwhelming to try and live up to those kinds of expectations. Um, you have to try harder to obey and to be good, to be a good Christian. You may have the will to do it. You may want to keep and observe and obey these commandments of Jesus. But I have good news for you. You can't do it. Not on your own. It's impossible to please God on our own. We are tainted. The doctrine, we would call it, would be total depravity. You know, it's interesting in our sort of way of sort of learning and theology. If you go back far, if you go back a ways, you come across St. Augustine, who really and part of this is throughout our Protestant kind of theology. And that is that it starts with original sin. And uh, and some that's OK. And that's, I read a lot of Augustine, he says a lot of good things. But I like to sort of maybe tap into our Celtic tradition. Because the Celtic tradition begins with, we are created in God's image. Now, regardless where you begin, we have to deal with a sinful humanity. And part of that is that Jesus redeems us and offers us a new way to live, a new way to be. By faith, we embark and we take steps toward, the, toward God. And even that is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's called re- regeneration. Regeneration. The Holy Spirit woos us, bids us, calls us to come to the Lord. And in some ways, maybe if you look at it this way, the scales fall off our eyes and we can see with affection Christ and what he has done for us and our need for redemption. So Jesus gives us a command, but then he gives us the means to obey it and to keep it. He sends us the Holy Spirit to empower us and to help us, the advocate that comes to to be with us. As we walk this Christian life, you know, it's kind of hard to r- render this word paraclete. That's the word in Greek for where we see advocate or comforter. And it's translated in a couple of different ways like that. But there's a real problem with this it because it's very, a very broad term. It's not an easy one just to sort of sum up in one word. And so comforter or advocate or helper, they're just not sufficient. Here's a picture of what the word means. Envision a father helping his son learn to ride a bike. This was my uh, experience growing up, you know, and my dad came along behind me and he steadied the bike and he he kept it going and kept my balance and stuff. And he was doing that to keep me safe and so that I wouldn't get hurt and such. And he was there alongside because that's the real meaning of this word. Paraclete is one who comes alongside. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us, comes alongside us in our lives. So that we can obey Christ, so that we can obey these commandments and to do it with joy. So this commandment, what is it? It is to love. Put it this way. Love is the bumper sticker of our faith. That, you know, if you need a fish on your car or some other clever bumper sticker to convince the world that we know Christ, then we really don't know Christ at all. Love is the sign that Jesus gave us to display to this world. He says, the world is going to know that you're my disciples because of the love you have for one another. Love is the command that we are to keep. Why love? Because in the, it is the most unexpected act in this sinful world. One for which Satan has no counterfeit. In a self-seeking, greedy world where each person is his own God, an unselfish act of pure love is a strike of a match in a looming darkness. An act of love can be as quiet as a whisper, anonymous, and yet it screams of who God is. Now, there are lots of stories I could tell you of those experiences, things that I've witnessed and been a part of, or things that have been given to me in that kind of love. that has been that display of God's love for me, or, or maybe I've been a part of doing that for other folks. But it's interesting. I love in this age of social media and Facebook and those kinds of things. Everyone's posting stuff and a lot of, you know, I get a lot of things out of that. And I love reading through different things. And yesterday morning, as I was sort of looking at stuff and preparing to have a number of things going on my computer, i got into Facebook for a minute, read through some things, and I came across this story. And it's one of those things when I read it, it's like, this is what we're talking about. This is how love needs to be the bumper sticker, how it needs to be the proclamation to the world of who we are. There's a story of a New York City taxi driver, and he wrote, I arrived at the address and honked the horn. After waiting a few minutes, I honked again. This was to be my last ride of my shift. I thought about driving away, but instead I walked up to the door and knocked. Just a minute, answered a frail and elderly voice. The door opened and a small woman in her 90s stood before me wearing a print dress and a pillbox hat with a veil pinned on it like she had just come out of a 1940s movie. She said, would you carry my bag out to the car? So I took the suitcase and I assisted this woman. She took my arm. She kept thanking me for my kindness. I said, it's nothing, I told her. I just try to treat my passengers the way I would want my mother to be treated. Oh, you're such a good boy. She gave me an address and asked, can we drive through downtown? It's not the shortest way, I answered quickly. She said, Oh, I don't mind. I'm in no hurry. I'm on my way to hospice. I looked in the rearview mirror. Her eyes were glistening. She said, I don't have any family left. The doctor says I don't have very long. I quietly reached over and shut off the meter. What route would you like me to take? For the next two plus hours. We drove through the city. She showed me the building where she had worked as an elevator operator. We drove through the neighborhood where she and her husband had lived. We pulled up in front of an old warehouse that had once been a ballroom where she went dancing as a young girl. Sometimes she would ask me to slow down in front of a building. And she would just sit there staring into the darkness, saying nothing. After this journey through her life, she suddenly said, I'm tired, let's go now. We drove in silence to the address she had given me. It was a low building with a small convalescent home Two old orderlies came out to the cab and as soon as we pulled up, it must have been expecting her. I opened the trunk and took the small suitcase to the door. The woman was already seated in a wheelchair. How much do I owe you? She asked, reaching into her purse. Nothing. You have to make a living, she answered. There are other passengers. Almost without thinking, I bent down and gave her a hug and she held on to me tightly. Thank you. You gave an old woman a little moment of joy. She said, I squeezed her hand and walked away behind me. A door shut. It was the sound of the closing of a life. I drove aimlessly lost in thought for the rest of that day. I could hardly talk. What if that woman had gotten an angry driver, one that was impatient to end in his shift? What if I had refused to take the run or had not or had honked once and then just driven away? On a quick review, I don't think that what I have done anything more, I don't think that I've done anything more important in my life than this. We're conditioned to think that our lives revolve around great moments, but great moments often catch us unaware, beautifully wrapped in what others may consider a small one. Reminds me of that wonderful quote from Mother Teresa. We are called to do small things with great love. That is our calling, to let the love of Jesus radiate from our lives to a world that is desperate, desperate for that love. That is our calling. And in that calling, God gives us his spirit to empower us to be the people that he wants us to be, to be the people of the kingdom who bring the love of God to this world. Make it so, Lord Jesus. Amen.